We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. I love it. I love the fact that we are a church for the family. No matter what your family looks like, no matter where you come from, we're a church that is all about the family. So I'm so grateful. You guys make this happen every Sunday. You make kids' church happen. You make Sunday mornings happen. And I'm so thankful for you. So grateful. So last week, we talked about food and feasts. We asked, who is welcome at the table? And the truth of the matter is, is that all are welcome at the table. We said that the poor and the downtrodden, we said that the orphan and the widow, we said that the hungry and the thirsty, everybody is welcome at the table. We also challenged you, I challenged you pretty hard, who can you invite? Who can you invite? Did you do that? Did you make an invitation this week for somebody to join you here at Hope Church? I want to talk this morning, and it's going to feel a little weird at first, but I want to talk to you about a gardening and horticultural technique. Is that weird? A little bit, right? A little bit. I dig gardening. I love gardening. Um, I I have one. Um, I'm helping with one in the middle of Seaford. We're actually doing a community garden. It's pretty cool. Um, But there's a practice that has been a part of gardening. Um, And in the ancient Near East, this practice started in vineyards. And this agricultural practice took place um, when a stalk of a certain vine, so think you have a grapevine, it has a stalk, it's been established, so somebody took a seed, planted it, a vine grew up, and you have a grapevine. However, maybe the taste of the region changes, or maybe some sort of pest develops, and say the gardener has a Chardonnay vine. Whoop, whoop, Chardonnay, okay? Um, oh, I'm not supposed to say that right. Um, but maybe the region wants a Merlot, okay? And so what the vine dresser would do is they would take the vine of the Chardonnay, and instead of planting a brand new Merlot grape in the ground and waiting all those years for the vine to come to fruit, they would actually take the Chardonnay and they would cut a piece of the vine off. And then they would slice it down the middle so it became a fork. And then they would go and take a branch from a Merlot vine and they would strip the bark at the ends and create it into a point and they would graft it in into the Chardonnay and then they would wrap it or put wax on it. This technique called grafting would then seal itself and heal and then the Merlot would produce grapes of Merlot kind, while the Chardonnay vine would still produce Chardonnay. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that the root would nourish and protect and fuel the growth of a completely different vine? Did you know that you can still do this? You can do this with fruit trees of the same variety. So you can have an orange tree, and you can graft in limes and lemons, and you can have like a fruit salad tree, y'all. Like, this is amazing, This is an extremely cool thing. You see, the rootstock feeds and nourishes the scion. That's what the little branches that you're grafting into the main root. It's called a scion. And when that happens, the plant becomes one plant. Again, the main vine feeds and nourishes 
and grows and protects that grafted branch. So oftentimes what happens is um, maybe a certain type of scion or a certain type of uh, fruit is more susceptible to pests, but the vine is not susceptible to that same pest or that same disease, and so it's put together to protect. It's pretty remarkable what can happen. And across the history of Israel, as recorded in the Old Testament, we see that God often uses some really great analogies to describe himself and his purposes for his people. And one of the major themes out of the garden is, of course, out of the Bible, is the garden. I mean, it's there in the beginning, right? In the beginning, God created. And he created Eden, and he put people in the garden. And the garden produces fruit and food for the body. And from the dawn of mankind, it is the garden that provided food and fellowship between our progenitors and God. Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the cool of the day. They undoubtedly partook of the fruit of the trees in conversations with God. And I think it's why so many of us get a sense of peace in the garden. You might know the old hymn, In the Garden. That's where we get our peace. Some of us, whether it's on a rooftop garden in downtown, or whether it's in our backyard gardens, or in a huge garden at an estate, we all find this sense of peace and oneness in a garden, in nature. That's why I go hiking in the woods alone. Because I get a sense of God's presence in these places. The garden has always been a special place. And for many, um, for many, we seek a place to deeply connect with God and a place to belong. And for many across our state, especially to children... This desire to be known and to belong is often shattered by broken families. Whether it's through addiction or design, they are left without a parent or a guardian to care for them. And over the past six years, in the state of Delaware, children have entered the foster care system at increasing rates. Where once it was 500 children in the system, it has now risen to 800 in just six years. It's 300 additional children that don't have a home to call their own. And these are children who have often faced abuse and neglect at the hands of the person who was supposed to provide and nourish and grow their lives so that they could become fruitful adults. Instead, they're taken from their home and placed in a system that is already overwhelmed and burden, and these children have nothing, often carrying the few items they do have in a trash bag as they move from house to house trying to find a soft place to land. Some of them never know if they're going to return to their family or if they're going to be in that system indefinitely. And this heartbreaking reality is something that our God deeply cares about. Across the Old Testament, the people of Israel are often criticized for two things. Number one, they're criticized by God for their lack of love for God. And the second thing they're criticized for is a lack of love for the oppressed and the vulnerable. These two go hand in hand. It's a theme throughout the entire Bible. The Father repeatedly tells them that they need to wake up and care for the weak and the fatherless. His heart is broken when he sees people 
neglected and oppressed by other people in society. And here is God's word through Isaiah the prophet to the Israelite people. And it is to us today too. This word is the word of God that stands. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You see, God invites the Israelites and us to watch, wash ourselves through repentance and baptism. And this has been the way since the fall of mankind. He invites us, come, wash yourself, make yourself clean, get rid of your sin, and turn. This is called repentance. It's not a dirty word. I don't care what those TikTok uh, people who decide that Christianity is not for them and, and, and try to push it away. Repentance is not a dirty word. It's agreeing with God about our sin whether it is idolatry or the mistreatment of others, and turning to do that thing no more. It is a walking away from sin. It's making a complete turn away from that which breaks God's heart and turning towards the Father. It takes away the disharmony and the disunity with God and with others, and it begins to repair it. And if you have not had a significant change in your heart, I want you to hear the heart of your pastor today. If you have not had a significant change in your life since you have invited Jesus into your life, it may be time to re-examine your relationship because there should be a noted heart change in you. Your compassion and your ability to empathize with other people should have improved. If it hasn't, please, friend, go to the care team afterwards. We have an amazing gentleman who's ready to pray with you and to ready to help you talk through that. Repentance is important. He literally tells us, give up your evil ways. Giving up means stop it. Stop it. Don't do it anymore. If it breaks God's heart, stop. If it causes disunity with others, stop. Repent, turn around. God will help you. And the second part of that is baptism. You see, baptism is an outward expression of our repentance. It is expressing to other people and confirming within ourselves that we are washed clean and making a fresh start with God. Baptism is so important. If you have not been baptized yet, this is your next step. This is your next steps, and we will have a baptism. We have a portable baptismal with a heater. You don't even have to worry about being cold. Y'all get luxury baptisms up at Hope Church, but we do it. We want you to make a public declaration that I am being made clean through Christ. The second thing I want to point out is that God's call, once we've straightened out our relationship with him, is to action. You see, he tells us in this passage, learn to do what is good. What does it mean when we have to learn something? Right? If we have to learn something, we have to learn to do good, it means that we're probably not doing it already. 
right? It means we might have to unlearn some of our former ways. We have to learn to do good. And the only way to know what true good is, is to go to the one who is only ever good. And the way we can know the only one who's only ever good to learn to do good ourselves is to study his word. You have to know God. And we say you can know God by reading his word. If you don't know where to start, it's real simple. You start in the book of John. Read it until you get a breakthrough. It might take 50 times. I don't care. Read it again. Read it again and then read it again and then read it again. Because when you understand and you see the face of Jesus Christ turn toward the vulnerable and the oppressed and hurting, you see the heart of a father empathizing with his children. When you see it for yourself, you will be transformed. The second thing that God calls us to do in this passage in Isaiah is to seek justice. He tells us to seek justice, to pursue justice in the way you treat others, but you're also called to create just systems through government. Yep. I said it. You are called, not the politicians, you. Because last time I checked, it is we the people of the United States. We are the government. I don't understand when people go, the man trying to get me down is the man. No, baby, you are the man. You have the right to vote. Don't be a victim. You have the power in your hands to choose people who will seek justice for the vulnerable and seek justice for the broken. You have the power. I got the power. You're welcome for having that stuck in your head for the rest of the day. You have the right to vote. If you don't have people you believe are going to act justly, if you don't see any, then you become it. I empower you, I implore you, I will vote for you. Do it yourself, baby. Seek justice. Number three, help the oppressed. Help the oppressed. God's heart is for those who have experienced injustice. Those who, because of no choice of their own, suffer abuse and neglect by others and are placed in the system. We're talking about racial injustice we're talking about religious injustice, gender injustice, class, economical. We are called upon by God to give help to people who are oppressed. Whether it is on our own soil, like racial oppression here in the United States against black and brown-skinned people, or it's on foreign soils like Ukrainian refugees in Poland and the conflict and the war in Ukraine, or whether it's Iranian women who just want to walk around the street without being attacked because their hajib slipped. We fight for justice everywhere. We are called to help. Want to know what you can do? Honey, I got some plans for us as a church. The last thing that God points out is we're to defend the cause of the orphan and the widow. We are called to defend the cause of those who have lost parents or guardians and now need someone to step up for them. And here is where we're going to delve deeper into why on this stand Sunday, we are called as a church to do this. You see... You've been grafted into a strong vine. I've been grafted in. And Paul, communicating to the Romans, lays out this truth in plain language. Y'all thought I forgot about that whole grafting thing. Mm -mm. Romans eleven thirteen through 18 says this. 
I am talking to you Gentiles. Anybody here fooled you? No? Okay, great. He's talking to you. I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people, the Jews, to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits, y'all remember that, is holy, then the whole batch is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Listen to this. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to all the other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You see, in Christ Jesus, we've been grafted into the vine through the life, death, and resurrection. We've been giving a vine that will never wilt and will never fade. And we have, though we are crazy, wild, Gentile people. We ain't got a clue about the law and couldn't tell you half of what Leviticus means. But because of what Jesus has done, we have been able to be taken and plucked from a vine that was going to wither and die. And we have been placed into the true vine through the blood of Jesus Christ, offered, dripped on that joint, and made to heal and seal us into his kingdom forever. That deserves a little bit of praise. Because you have been grafted in. You have been called into the kingdom of God through the love of the Father, through Jesus Christ. And we have been greatly cared for by Jesus He loved us so much that he laid down his life on the cross for us. And so we get to greatly care for others. So in 1 John 3, 16 through 18, we read, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Let us now love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not love in words and speech, but with actions and truth. You see, the work of Jesus on our behalf compels us to work on the behalf of others. Can I be honest? There are some mornings I don't want to come here on a Sunday. In case you didn't know, there's a lot that goes into a Sunday. A lot. But there's one thing that always fuels me. And my husband and I will say it when we're feeling like this is hard. We say it's for the one. It's for the one. Because my God left the 99. And he came after the one. My father left the 99 and he came after you. It's for the one. Why do we step into hard situations? Why would we lean into the brokenness? Why would we open our families to the traumatic and the difficult? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. Because he stepped into my mess. He stepped into my brokenness when I couldn't even speak his name. When I knew that I was jacked up and that there was no way out for me. When I knew that I had no hope left, he stepped in. 
And because of that, I will lay down my lives for others because he first perfectly and sacrificially laid down his life for me. Can I tell you on a real personal note that last night I got horrible news from a friend that said her sister literally tried to end her life. And I immediately prayed. As far as I know right now, this person is still alive but is only holding on. And I just thought to myself, my God, that could have been me. If I had just had a gun, if I had just had, an, had a way on some of those darkest moments in my life, that could have been me. But because God stepped in for me, because he made a way, I'm standing here today. So what else can I do but lay down my life? Because he laid down his life for me. You see, we've been adopted into his family and we're, we, we were the ones on the outside of the family of God and some of us were even hostile to it. Guys, I dabbled in the occult. I dabbled in all kinds of stuff that should have shut heaven's door to me. But the Son of God came in and conferred on us a kingdom through adoption. And we have been given a new identity. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. You see, Jesus stepped into our brokenness and hard places. He interjected ourselves or himself into our story. So we too interject ourselves into the stories of people who are broken and find themselves in hard places. I want to share with you a story of one such person through a video. Would you just take five minutes and give your attention to the screen? He just basically told us that he loved us. And there's nothing that can separate his love from us. That we are grafted in. We are his boys to the end, no matter what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Say, I've been grafted in. We were in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, I called Diego a couple of days earlier, and I said, Diego, uh, we're in San Antonio, we're meeting with a group of pastors, a uh, number of pastors are going to be there, CPS is going to be there, case workers, case managers, agency is going to be there, and um, uh, see if you and Melvin can come and be uh, with me. And uh, he said, sure. And so uh, he was letting me know everybody that was going to be there, and, uh, and so basically we were supposed to just inspire them to take on fostering and adoption. Mary and I are sitting on the front row, and uh, we're smiling at him because we know he's going to sing and he's going to do his thing. And, um, and he said, before I, I perform, before I, I, I do my rap, uh, i got to tell you something, guys. I remember that it was a drop in the audience when I was like, yeah, we was bad. We, we, we stole. We had, uh, we had females in the house. I hate to say they had females in the house. We stole cars. And so we even snuck out the house uh, at night. And then I remember going into the part where I told them, I said, man, also, man, we burned the house down. And I remember the whole church was like, oh. and, and um, I remember I got a look from mom. She's like, oh, I know you just did say that. I said, oh, Lord, how in the world are we going to recruit foster and adoptive churches and families? And he's telling them we're burning the house down. We burned the house down. <laughs> but when he went on with the story, I heard something that I never heard before. We, yeah, we burnt the house down, and uh, the house was burning down, and uh, I remember he sent us to, we, we stayed uh, about a block from 
uh, from the church. And he sent us to, to the church to say, y'all go stand at the church to, you know, to get the fire stuff put out. And then, of course, we was already talking, yeah, this is our last day here. You know, we're going to be gone in the morning or whatever. But instead of him coming and say, hey, well, y'all guys going to be gone, he, um, uh, he came to us and uh, he came to us. Walmart was open and uh, he took us to Walmart, you know, just to get some clothes. The only store open around 2 or 3 in the morning. Took us to Walmart to get some clothes and, uh, you know, sent us to school the next day. <sighs> Tried to choke up. And sent us to school the next day. And, uh, I mean, we stayed at football practice, just practicing and working out because we didn't want to come home. And then they, he said to the crowd that was there, he said, we burnt our house down. We have been moved for less things than that. We have been moved for eating the wrong stuff out of the refrigerator at the wrong time and we were sent away. We've been moved because we didn't come home at the right time and we were sent away, or we didn't say something right and we were sent away. We lived in a different part of the house than the other part of the family. And when we went over to this other part of the house, we were moved. And then we brought the house down and we were gonna stay. He said, we couldn't even understand that or compute that. We for sure thought, hey, we was gone. And of course, um, uh, the other guys, they've been to more different homes than I have. So they, they know how the system works. So they was just like, yeah, this is our last day here. We're going to be gone. And of course, that was just feeding, feeding me. I'm just like, man, well, this is going to be our last day here. Might, not, might as well not go home right now. And so we went home. And instead of him uh, uh, screaming at us, fussing at us about uh, uh, everything, you know, he just we, uh, he showed us where we was going to be living at. What have God taught me about his character, his character through my, through my pops? Uh, man, God has, he's taught me so much. He's taught me how to walk as a man. He's taught me how to, how to speak as a man. Taught me how to be a man, how to treat my, my, my family, how to take care of my family. Uh, just how I should treat others, how to serve, you know, through his character. Um, a lot of times he don't tell us, pops, he don't tell us how to do, how to do things. He shows. us. He, he barely say, I love you, boy. I love you, son. He barely say it. But it's his actions that show it. We want to them to know when they walked through the door that they was no longer, no longer in foster care. That's right. And that they were now engrafted. And I had to explain to them about engrafted. I said, you take a plant and you cut into it mm -hmm. and everything from that root system comes up to another plant that you put uh, in there and everything that comes up from that root system goes to nourish that plant. All right. You don't look like us. You, you didn't come from the same DNA mm -hmm. of us, but you engrafted. Right. I didn't think they got it. And got it. <laughs> thank God he, they got it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we've been called, listen, to stand. We've been called to stand with orphans. You want to know why it's called Stand Sunday? Because we are called to stand with orphans. You see, James, the brother of Jesus, had a very clear perspective on what it means to follow Jesus. He knew what being religious meant to the Jews, but said this about what God the Father considered true religious devotion. He said, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, the truth is that we're called to stand. So what does this look like for you and I? 
Romans says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. You see, all of us, all of us must be committed to reflecting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the vulnerable. And the truest reflection of the transformation that Christ has done in us and worked in us is to turn and do that for others. You see, I want to promise you that we're not all called to do the same thing. We're not all called to do the same thing, but we're all certainly capable of doing something. So I want to give you some idea of what this could look like. You see, the need is so great for foster families and kids in Sussex that we need everyone here to play a role. As we move forward and roll out this ministry in waves, I need you all on board with us. I need you all on board with us. We've partnered with the Sussex Foster Association. This is a group of parents. Their president is Rhonda Cipolla, and she is in partnership with us. Um, and we are discussing ways that we can critically reach kids in the foster care system right now. Everybody say right now. Because the need is right now. Okay, the need is right now. So everyone can do something. I want you to check out this. So when we have a foster family identified in our community, this is what each of us can do. Now listen, you might not be the foster family, or you might be. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I'm telling you that you can do something. Maybe you can provide a meal when a new foster kid comes into that family. If you have a bomb lasagna recipe, yo, you better share that gift, okay? Uh, maybe you can counsel them with finance, or maybe you can contribute to Hope Church's Foster and Adoption Fund. Maybe you could partner that way. Maybe you can provide transportation for the family. Maybe you can just babysit. Look, somebody, everybody needs a date night, okay? Foster moms and dads need a date night. Adoptive parents need a date night, right? So you can provide babysitting. Maybe you are a 15-year-old kid, and you have a lawnmower, guess what? You can go mow their lawns for them. Maybe you can do car maintenance. You can attend court appointments. Sometimes people just need support. They just need to know that somebody else is going to that courthouse with them. If you show up at that courthouse with a cup of coffee and be like, yo, I'm rooting for you. I might not be able to go in, but here's your coffee. I'm going to wait here. And when you come out, I'm going to give you a hug. Do you know how big that is? Do you know how big that is to know that somebody's on your team? Maybe you can clean a house. Maybe you can grab groceries, or maybe you can provide respite for a family for a weekend and take that foster kid. Whatever you can do, do it, and do it well. We're going to let you know the opportunities that are going to be rolling out as we partner this way. I want to know that you are all going to stand with me in this. I need to know that you're on the team. And the most powerful thing that we can do, please, please don't downplay this, is pray. The first thing and the most powerful thing we can do to impact the foster kids in Delaware is pray for those kids. Did you know that many of the kids in foster care are, are there because they have a medical need and their family said, we can't deal with this. These are kids who have uh, critical care issues. Pray for healing. 
Pray for the foster care system. Pray for the licensed clinical social workers. Pray for those working in the system. Pray for those who are in it now. Pray for the foster families, both new foster families and the current foster families. Pray for, for everyone involved in placements, for the people who come inspect homes to let them know that they're ready. Pray for the electrical outlets to look good. I mean, pray. Pray for the broken home they are coming from. One of the most crucial things that we believe we can do as a church is to actually prevent foster from happening in the first place. So we're going to partner with parents and provide parenting education so that parents don't ever have to have their children taken from them. What if we could do that in the first place? What if we could prevent 300 kids from going into the system because we love their parents first? Come on, we can do this. Remember, everyone can do something. Everyone can do something. You can do something right here and right now to impact children. Um, I am asking all of you to raid the stores, to go on Amazon. I'm asking you to donate Christmas stockings and stocking stuffers for children age zero to two. This is all right online. You can go to Amazon and pick it out or you can go to the store. I don't care. I am not discriminatory against toys, okay? Zero to two and 16 to 18 year olds because Sussex Foster Association is having a party for 200 kids and they want to give them a duffel bag so that they don't have to carry their stuff in a trash bag anymore and they want to fill that duffel bag with some Christmas love and they want to give them a Christmas stocking and let them know that they are loved. We're going to include toiletries in there because some of these kids don't even get to have their own shampoo, y'all. Come on. Can you imagine not having your own shampoo? It's a dollar. Come on. Everybody can do something. It doesn't take a lot. You don't have to give a lot in terms of money. But if you have the gift of giving, bro, give it up. We will make use of it. Listen, you might be here today and God might be calling you to be the family that stands in the gap. God might be calling your family to become a foster family. God might be calling you to this ministry of loving kids right where there are. There's such a great need for foster families for teenagers. Can you imagine being in the most awkward phase of life, guys? Think back to when you were in middle school. And not having a stable, firm home to come home to. You could be that guy. You could be that girl. You could be that parent that stands in the gap. Whatever God is calling you today, I'm challenging you to do it. Do it. Freaking Nike that thing, y'all. Just do it. Do the darn thing. And through our partnership with Hepzibah, I want to make sure that you understand what's available to you. If you decide to step into a role as a foster and adoptive parent, we already have the means to make sure that you get a grant from Hafsibah to fund your foster and adoption. Yes, money to you to help you. Our church will provide that for you. The second thing we can offer you is grants for counseling so that you and your new family can go through counseling and get the help you need to integrate healthfully, healthfully all the persons. We can also offer you connection to interest-free, interest-free loans to help you adopt. If it's a foreign adoption, these things can cost some serious dough, okay? There's flights involved, all that. There's grants there to help you. In addition, our church, through Hepzibah and in partnership with Hepzibah, 
can offer any foster parent, any, listen to this, parents of special needs kids, parents of foster kids, people in kinship or adoptive families. We want to take the two parents or the parent and we want to send them on a retreat for a weekend for free so that they can get a break, so that Jesus can fill them up at a spiritual retreat and let people love on them. All of this so that we can become a church that really ministers to the needs of the vulnerable. I'm going to ask you guys this morning, will you stand with me? Will you literally stand with me to help these communities? Would you help me? Yes, 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 yes. We can make a difference, and it starts right now. Right now. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, would you come in like a flood? Would you come in like rain? Would you help us, God? Would you renew us? Would you help us who've been grafted in to the true vine to become a branch that bears so much fruit that you have to send more of the vine to hold us up? Father, help us bear so many big, huge clumps of grapes that we can be poured out and fill up and care for. God, you took Gideon and 300 <laughs> to take over a whole entire army. What can you do with us? We are surrendered to you and we stand here ready. God, we ask that you would use us, but would you first make us usable? God, if there's any brokenness in it of us, if there's any discontent or separation or disunity or anything that keeps us from you, would you help us to repent? God, if we need to be baptized, let us take that next step. Help us, God, to make the commitment. Help us, God, to know that you are with us and you are holding us up. And we're going to give you all the praise and all the honor and the glory because we ask it in Jesus' name. Guys, I thank you so much for standing with me. It's going to be such a huge, huge blessing to this community. I, I just cannot tell you what it means to me to know that our community is going to just represent. Represent. Thank you so much, guys, and I will see you next Sunday. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.